0: Hello, um, I'm Trinity Black. I'm Trinity Dixon. And today we are talking about uh, the 2012 stop-motion animated feature film. Paranorman. Yes, which to counterpoint, ca- to counter the uh, movie that we did last time, which is Tall Girl, if
1: was a bad movie, we are doing a good movie. Yes, because we can do good movies too. Good movies can be about gay people too. Yes. There's not enough of them, but they do exist. Mm -hmm.
0: And this one in particular is much more one that is about being kind of gay-coded and about uh, tolerance and things like that. But having in a specific way that it is easy to relate back to being
1: gay. Yeah, and it is poorly timed because it's a little past Halloween time, but there's nothing scarier than final exams. So, have at it. (laughs) Yep.
0: (laughs) So... First we're going to get into the summary of Paranorman. We're going to do a whole bunch of like background stuff first, so like the summary, the cast, talk a little bit about like the writer, director behind it, and um some of like the awards it's been nominated for
1: and like our personal kind of reviews of it. And then we're going to get into the subtext, the, the important parts. So much subtext. Okay, so here's yes. a summary. Um thanks to Kenneth Chisholm from Internet Movie Database. I'm IMDb great source. <laughs> In the town of Blythe Hollow, Norman Babcock is a boy who can speak to the dead, but no one besides his eccentric new friend, Neil, believes his ability is real. One day, Norman's estranged eccentric uncle tells him of an important annual ritual he must take up to protect the town from a curse cast by a witch it condemned centuries ago. Eventually, Norman decides to cooperate, but things don't go according to plan. Now, a magic storm of the witch threatens Blythe Hollow as the accused dead rise. Together with the unexpected new companions, Norman struggles to save his town, only to discover the horrific truths of the curse. With that insight, Norman must resolve the crisis for good, as as only he can.
0: So just like expand a little bit, I said Norman is our eleven-year-old protagonist. He can see the dead, um, and talk to them too—not just see them. Um, The way we're introduced to that is because he still talks to his grandma, (laughs) like as they're watching a horror movie together, even though his grandma is no longer alive. (laughs) So whenever he's like talking to his parents, and most of the people in the town don't believe him. Like, there's, like, one kid that he makes friends with, Neil, and who actually believes him. And everybody else is just like, you're doing it for attention. (laughs) You're just being weird. (laughs) You're the outcast kid and stuff. But, um, like I said, he's dealing with bullies basically every day and stuff for being an outcast and the freak and things like that. Um, and... It all kind of, like... It's, I think, around Halloween time, mm-hmm. but It it's all kind not, of culminates with yeah, finding a... Like, but a, the whole kind yeah. of vibe of the movie is very Halloween-y because the entire town is kind of, like, a witch tourist attraction yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, it's
1: very, like, a Salem, Massachusetts kind of vibe where it's, the whole town is built around the industry of the, the curse and the witch and all of that.
0: Yeah. So, um, they're, it's around Halloween or, like, the anniversary of the curse because they're putting on a play at school and more bullying occurs there and stuff. But, um... After he gets out of school, his crazy uncle, who can also see ghosts, but is kind of like a strange, like his parents like, don't talk to that dude, he's crazy, you know, uh, comes up to him and kind of threatens him with, you're going to have
1: to take over the curse one day, keeping it at bay, because only you can do it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, the movie was released in 2012. It was directed by, directed and written, sorry, by Chris Butler, who is an out gay man, actually, which is a little bit important to the kind of the perspective of the movie. Um, it was nominated for a BAFTA and Academy Award. It did not win a BAFTA or the Academy Award. It no. lost, lost the Academy Award to uh, Brave.
0: Yes, it was nominated for Best Animated Feature, and it lost to Brave. Brave was an okay... It was a good movie. I can't say it was a bad movie, but, like, Paranorman
1: should okay. have won. <laughs> no yeah, Brave is like a st- standard Disney Pixar. Paranorman's a little step up, but... But Paranorman was nominated for it the... It should have me.
0: I don't know if it should have, but it was... It, it deserved to be nominated, at least. It, it was know, nice. Yeah. But it was nominated for the Glad Media Award mm-hmm. for um, wide-release feature films, I believe, or something. Okay. And I don't think it won, though. It didn't say it won in Wikipedia. Okay. Which I should mention that Wikipedia <laughs> is very funny because in the section titled Reception, there are four subsections. And those four subject sections are Critical Response, Box Office, Gay Character, and Accolades. Nice. Those are the those are the four um, categories of reception apparently, <laughs> critical response, box office, gay character, and accolades. <laughs> I didn't realize that being a gay character was a uh, a way to receive. Um, very your important criteria reviews for your work. Yes. but yeah, but mainly it's because there is this isn't I mean a huge spoiler because it's basically a one off kind of jokey line. But there's a big uh, himbo of man in this uh, movie, a big buff football. dumb man (laughs) very stereotypical jock yep which is why like he is the least gay-coded character in this movie and then it's like you know a funny little like oh like his uh norman's older sister courtney uh which we will get into the cast later but she is played by anna kendrick is um like oh do you want to see a movie sometime and she's like trying to ask him out and he's like uh yeah (laughs) you'll love my boyfriend he loves chick flicks (laughs) And it's, like, not a gay, like, it's not a gay joke at his expense, but it's definitely kind of, like, a haha, she was trying to go for him, but he wasn't, he wasn't straight. The <laughs> point of it is that it's not, like, oh, him being gay is the joke. The mm-hmm. joke is that she's been going for him, like, uh, the entire movie, and <laughs> mm-hmm. at the very end, he finally, like, she finally asks him out, and he still doesn't recognize that she's asking him out, no, and he's yeah. just like, oh, you love my boyfriend, and she's just like, well, okay.
1: <laughs> no yeah.
0: Okay, so like I said, the cast we are going to get into, which I kind of give you like a little bit of the summary. So we mentioned a few characters, like mm-hmm. the beginning of the movie, but most of the characters kind of like are introduced in the beginning and then all come together more towards the middle or the end as like one big group. Um, like I said, there is Norman, Norman Babcock. He is played by Cody Smith McPhee. Neil is voiced by um, Tucker T- Albrizzi. And like I said, Courtney Babcock, who is Norman's teenage older sister. She is on the cheerleading team, and she is voiced by Anna Kendrick. Yep.
1: Mitch is voiced by Casey Affleck. Mitch is the uh, gay himbo. Yep. Yes.
0: Alvin, who is kind of like... Norman's main, like, bully kind of guy. He's, he's also very dumb, but he's a funny mm-hmm. character. <laughs> he's he's very dumb. <laughs> yeah. He misspells his name when he's trying to write it on the bathroom wall in Sharpie, like, four times. It's, <laughs> really, it's a really funny scene. No, yeah. But um, he's voiced by Christopher Mintz-Plasse. I should have looked that it's up French.
1: because I don't know how to say that mm. man's name. It's called PLASSE. <laughs> Leslie Mann um, is Sandra Babcock, which is um, uh, Norman's mother. Yep. And Jeff Garland plays Perry Babcock, his dad. And if that name sounds familiar, you probably don't know the name, but the voice, you it's can't miss it. Nope. <laughs> it is. It, I don't even know what he's from, but you can just tell, yeah. like, the voice. He
0: sounds. He sounds exactly like somebody's dad from Massachusetts who says, like, vaguely racist things at Thanksgiving dinner, but he can get away with it because he's from up north. Yeah, he's like the casual bigot. I'm casually racist,
1: up. casually homophobic. <laughs> I'm pulling up his IMDb page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is his other? Wally. He was the captain in Wally. Yes, <laughs> that's where you probably oh. know him from or recognize him from. Yeah, he's just like he's like one of those guys. that's like, oh yeah, I know that guy. He's in. Yeah, the he, thing was in, I he was in. He was in Cars ago. too. You know. He yeah. was <laughs> in Toy Story Four. He's yeah. that guy. There's a lot of voice acting because his voice is. You can't miss it. It's very very unique.
0: The next person. The next person is Norman's grandma. She is Elaine Stitch, voiced by Elaine Stitch. I mean, um, Norman's grandma is a funny lady. She gets to say the one cuss word in the film. <laughs>
1: yeah, and then I guess. There's a lot of a kind of kind of a more or less obscure people, but I guess another name people may know is John Goodman who also who plays Mr. Pendergrass, which is Norman's weird uncle
0: yeah or like great uncle or something uncle. they just yeah. call him like Uncle, but he's like his mom's uncle or something mm-hmm. um, The other maybe like more main characters that I would mention are um, Aggie or Agatha and she is voiced by Jodell Farland. Nope she is voiced by Jodell Furland. <laughs> And uh, Salma is one of the other students that's kind of like the weird outcast, like super smart girl. Mm -hmm. Um, And she is voiced by Hannah Noyes. She doesn't have any other credits on IMDb, so. (laughs) She doesn't even have a photo, but she did good as Salma. Her agent should be fired. Shame. I would also say, I would also for um, good measure mention his uh, drama teacher, Mrs. Hensher, whose like name I really don't recognize, but I absolutely like the voice is so funny. The mm-hmm. the, this lady definitely gave it her all in voice acting and that's why, why i'm going to mention her and she is um alex borstein
1: mm-hmm. oh alex yeah. borstein oh
0: yeah i know who that is i don't by name at least do you want me i'm gonna open my mdp page we're gonna do another one.
1: Oh wait never mind i don't know who that person is it reminds <laughs> me of another name there's another famous lady whose last name is borstein yes i know her she was in the lizzie mcguire oh, movie she does look familiar she was in the Lizzie McGuire movie. She was in the Marvelous Miss Maisel. Yeah. She's yeah, she cool. Is. She just won an award recently. Yeah? She won like an Academy Award for something uh, or an Emmy or something. For, for the Marvelous Miss, Miss Maisel. Miss Marvelous Miss Mabel. I think it was an Emmy. She's also
0: been a uh, family guy
1: <laughs> a lot, honestly. She, she was, was in, in the Lizzie <laughs> McGuire movie. Miss Unkermeyer. Miss That's a good movie, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know that name sounds familiar. The black and white picture threw me off. But yeah, the name. Yeah. The name, the name for sure. Yes.
0: Uh, let's give us our little review just like a mini kind of like snapshot of what we thought of
1: the movie. I was this your first time seeing the movie when we watched it? No, I don't remember the first time I saw it specifically, but I remember I saw it before and I went. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> so, <laughs> it had a much bigger impact on me when I first saw it. I mm. also don't remember the very first time
0: I saw it. I think I actually bought the movie because I had known that other people were talking about it or somebody i was friends with was like it was a good movie i saw it in theaters you should see it and i just didn't end up seeing it but i bought it because it was like cheap and i had money and i was in eighth grade or seventh grade or something like that
1: and i had 20 i had money to burn (laughs) as you do when you're in seventh grade buy frappuccinos from starbucks typical middle school behavior (laughs) except i just went to walmart and got like a $5 (laughs) tvd Yeah, but, like, I watched it, and
0: I was, like, literally, like, okay, this is my new favorite movie now. <laughs> and then I spent, like, the next three years of my life going, like, have you seen Paranorman? And not, like, to everyone, but it was definitely, like, one of those things that I based, like, some of my middle school years on, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was also at a time in my life when I thought I was straight, but the message of the film Wait, is... you're not straight? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> breaking news <laughs> breaking news the host of the podcast in my gay opinion isn't straight It's shocker
1: sorry no. continue
0: <laughs> but um i'd like said at the time i was still in the firmly i'm a heterosexual woman camp you know and um it was weird to kind of like look at the movie because i was like this is like me and it was <laughs> not at all kind of like a connection i made until i was like older and actually kind of like figuring it out that I was not straight Mm -hmm. that oh this is
1: probably why I like that movie so much (laughs)
0: you know
1: I don't remember it having a super big impact on me I do remember the whole like plot twist with the boyfriend had me gooped and gagged though like I remember (laughs) when I was like younger I saw this I was like wow that that just really threw me through a loop um what (laughs) gooped and gagged
0: I have never heard that before not like put together like that
1: what's gooped in this I don't even know I just hear people say it that's nice I don't know it's It's just like (gasps) shocking you know? Wow, gooped and gagged. Gooped and gagged. <laughs> it was, I mean, honestly, it was a plot twist. The, I mean, when you're young, watch this movie. Oh, yeah. You don't expect it at all. Yeah. Kind of comes I'm out of the blue. G- Even in the adults, I'm in. probably sure don't expect that at all. Kinda yeah. Kind of like the...
0: When you, if you were an adult and you were, like, the Sunday school church leader and you were taking your five-year-old and your seven-year-old to go see a fun little kids movie, called Paranorman, when it was released in 2012, you would not be prepared for that
1: himbo of a man to refer to his boyfriend loving chick flicks in the last, like, ten minutes of the movie. It's like that meme of, like, Harold, they're lesbians when someone, like, went to see Carol. It's like yeah. Even though that movie is yeah. obviously yeah. about gay women. But yeah. <laughs>
0: so it's like, uh, it's literally, like... The, that was, I think, the biggest kind of backlash the movie had. It had generally positive reviews, which is more, like, like I would give it more than a generally positive review. But mm-hmm. like I said, I kind of, like, it had that impact on me. Like, yeah, when of, I course. Was, cause of course. Because I was, like, 12 when it came out. And like I said, Norman at the time, was, he's an 11-year-old character. So for me, it was, like... That's me, you know? <laughs> it was like the same kind of, oh, middle school does suck, you know? This is kind of like, there aren't people writing freak on my locker or anything, but the bathrooms are kind of like that, you know?
1: No, yeah. yeah, Definitely very nostalgic. Even watching it now, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of like the angst of, like, being in middle school and, like, kind of feeling out of place. We'll go into that later, but that's something I connected with as well in the movie.
0: Yeah, but for me, it's also just been, like, such a good, cohesive movie. For one, it is literally the funniest movie ever written, and it still manages to have, like, such a deep kind of, like, character story. Like, something that you don't really have to, like, look super hard to find a ton of meaning that's Mm -hmm. obviously, like, been put in there by, like, the writers and everything and the people making the movie.
1: Yeah, it's also just, just, it's not like, Laika, like, the studio, they produce like, Coraline, which is, like, definitely traumatized me when I was younger and this was kind of like a light like oh this is fun like it's definitely spooky and scary but I think it's more palatable for kids it's not as like yeah when frightening. you're frightening yeah it's more like creepy
0: when you're a kid it's a lot harder to see the stuff that does make Paranorman kind of messed up
1: yeah <laughs> because there's
0: definitely stuff in Paranorman that like re-watching it like I even rewatch it like not relatively often but maybe like once a year kind of like Halloween-ish but not mm-hmm. always and like I'll still see it and then every time I'll be like wow that's a, how how did I watch this and kind of go, like, not even recognize some Mm -hmm. of this as, like, kind of deeply traumatizing stuff?
1: Yeah. Because when when you're a kid, you watch this, like, hmm, that's not fair. Yeah. But then, like, when you watch it, like, on second viewing when you're a lot older, you're like, wait, this is actually really complex and really deep. Oh, yeah. Like, when I was watching it
0: as, like, a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old, I was watching it, like, these kids are about my age, and I feel like I'm a pretty capable (laughs) 13- or 12-year-old, so Mm -hmm. I feel like they're pretty capable, you know, 13- or 12-year-olds or 11-year-olds. So it was... Very much so, like, I wasn't looking at it from the perspective of, like, these are children. I was looking at it from the perspective of, like, these are me, you know? Mm-hmm. And for these me, I didn't, are me. And I didn't feel like, you know, a child or at the time. Yeah, I felt yeah, like I course. was a middle schooler and stuff. And it's not like they infantilized them or anything. It. Oh, it, was, yeah. it definitely speaks well to people that age, I think, mm-hmm. you know? But it's also, like, looking at it as an adult, I'm like, oh my gosh, those people are children. <laughs> and they have to, like like... There, there are points in the movie where there are, like, death threats. The entire town is shouting at an 11-year-old, basically. No, you know? Yeah. And, like, not even in, like, the super old Puritan people. This is, like, the modern day. They're, like, calling him a necromancer and being, like, burn him and stuff. And, and they're like, what? You're, as, like, an adult, even, like, I'm not even, like, a full adult now. I'm 20, but I'm not a full adult, you know? But yeah. I'm, like, sitting there and going, oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> These That's people pretty are messed up. messed up. There's, like... Okay, so this is obviously spoilers, kind of.
1: Yeah, spoiler alert, by the way. We're going to yeah. be talking about a lot of plot points.
0: The um main antagonist is the witch, or, like, the witch's curse in it, mm-hmm. but the witch is another 11-year-old girl that was literally, like, hung mm-hmm. by her town for, like, speaking to the dead, and she's, like, you know, Norman's, like, ancestor, and she was like, I was just playing, and she's, like, an 11-year-old girl, and they're like, I play it with fire, <laughs> and then they kill her, like, not on screen, but, like, they sentence her to death, and she can't escape, and she, like, they, I guess they presumably take her to the tree and she dies and they like and then she casts like the curse or like makes it happen so that they like rise to the grave and stuff and like as a kid I was definitely like wow they shouldn't do that to her that's unfair and now I'm, as an adult I'm like these were all adult people and that was an 11 year old girl
1: no yeah it's very like the crucible <sighs> Arthur Miller like people getting hung for no reason but also it is underscored by the fact that she is literally a child and it just like makes it almost more horrifying (laughs) that she's like literally a little child like yeah like a little
0: girl like they don't make her look like an older person or anything like that when you (laughs) you
1: actually see her like in
0: the character and stuff she's just a little girl like they do some really cool animation stuff when she's Mm kind of like freaked out oh, yeah. like yeah yeah it's it's really cool i like said i honestly would purely recommend the movie alone because it's the first movie to have used um 3d printed sculpts for like their faces for different characters and it's like this only, the second like i think major release like stop motion film to use like 3d for stuff but it was like it's a really cool it's really well animated and stuff
1: yeah so we definitely recommend it um, so that's all your <laughs> little like thoughts you want anything you want to yeah. say besides um, that
0: or it's definitely like even looking at it as an adult i don't think that it's not too like dark for kids i feel like it's the right amount of dark for kids like as a kid you're not gonna see it the same way but honestly that kind of makes you see it not in a better way but it gives you a different perspective that it's easier to look back onto so like i think it's a really good film overall for like some of the reasons we'll get into later when we're getting the subtext and stuff and like themes of the actual movie but i would just like highly recommend it like i wouldn't show it to your five-year-old but like you know, they. S- I think their general target is like seven and up, and I would say that that's probably fine, honestly.
1: Yeah, I, I think k- people of all ages can enjoy. It. I think there's something for parents. You can kind of get that deeper meaning. Something for like younger adults when you kind of see it in retrospect, and also just for, it's an adorable. It's like a funny, enjoyable movie. Mm-hmm. Um, super, yeah. super good.
0: Yeah. Um. Now, is huh, we're moving on to the fun part. Yes, yeah, so get into the gay stuff. Yep, the subtext.
1: Norman, our Fearless protagonist.
0: Mm-hmm. He is an 11 the best. year old boy that has been severely
1: outcast by not only at school, but like at home and by his entire community. Yeah, it's basically established from the beginning. He's a weird kid, no one talks to, no one likes. He's yep. Relentlessly bullied, shoved into lockers, writes, you well, know. Well, I don't know. He, he wasn't. Well, no, yeah, he was kind of shoved into a locker. He wasn't shoved yeah. into the locker, like yeah. physically, but he was shoved at a locker and hit the locker. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And people like write, like, fr- I think he said, freak on one of his yeah, lockers one like day. I said Alvin is the
0: character. I said his Alvin kind of. Gr- Joins his group, like, Mm -hmm. once they actually get into, like, the whole fight and the curse stuff part. Like, I don't know, less by, um, choice than by force of nature kind of thing. But, um, Alvin is so funny, but he is so dumb. And he's genuinely kind of a horrible dude. (laughs) But, like, you know, in the way that a lot of, like, 8th graders are thus the worst people alive, you know? Yeah. So... For him, he's like he writes freak on like his locker and shoves him in it and then like smashes a fly and on like his locker and is like, Why don't you talk to that if you could talk to ghosts? And Norman's just like flies can't talk. <laughs> it's like it's a fly.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's stupid with two O's. He's just not a smart kid. Yep.
0: There <laughs> the one of the things that like my family quotes from this movie is um a part where it's later in the movie, but where Norman kind of runs out of the school because he has an incident in the bathroom with a ghost, his uncle's ghost, his great uncle or whatever. Uncle Prindergast. Yep. And um, Alvin is in, like, the next all over trying to write his name, and that's <laughs> the one where he's writing his name wrong. But that's not the part that we quote a lot. What well, we quote is, like... Um, Alvin kind of confronts him after he gets out of the bathroom or chases after him. Not like confronts him. But like after he gets out of the school, Alvin runs out after him and is like, you're dead, Norman. D-E-D
1: dead. (laughs) Yeah, that's very funny. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And it's like, I feel like I've heard that other things before, but like that's something that my family kind of quotes of like since then too.
1: (laughs) No, yeah. So yeah, he has kind of this relentless bully at school. Um, and Also just connected to the idea of having something invisible about you Mm -hmm. um, that people can't really see but still making that a part of you that's different and being ostracized for it is definitely connected to like the feelings of isolation and being gay and growing up having that kind of feeling but not really knowing what it is yeah like
0: you can still kind of you still do feel isolated even when you can't identify the reason behind it because like so much of your kind of time can be spent trying like it can either be spent actively trying to distance yourself from the normal label because you feel like you can never fit into it or you try to actively fit into that label of being normal like to the point where it's either harmful or you're just suppressing everything about yourself kind of thing Mm
1: -hmm. so
0: for norman it's like when he tries to be normal people still don't like him so he just kind of tries to push everybody away (laughs)
1: yeah and also he has kind of a rocky relationship with his family at the beginning his mm-hmm. dad uh like the casual bigot yep. trademark That's um perry <laughs> perry um yeah he, so he doesn't his dad he has a really rough relationship oh. with his dad um he says a lot we're going to talk about some of the quotes and stuff he said specifically that are kind of really mean um he <laughs> says he to calls norman limp-wristed hippie garbage yeah mm-hmm.
0: he's like your side of the family might be fine with this limp-wristed or yeah it's like I'm nothing if I'm not liberal, but and I can't take this limp wristed hippie, hippie garbage, garbage <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Or like you can
1: be, you can, you can do this around your family, but in the community and like it's kind of like something you know that, yeah, yeah. It's like, like
0: you can be weird around us, I guess, mm-hmm. but I don't like it. But like you definitely shouldn't do it in front of the whole like community yeah. and make a fool of us. So it's a lot of his dad's stuff. It's kind of like his mom is like more passively kind of like accepting about it. She's like he's not harming anyone, but she also probably doesn't really believe him either. She's not really actively helping him
1: except for like a few times where she is stepping in with his dad Mm -hmm. and she kind of makes the excuse there's one line where he's uh where she says you know um something along the lines of like um oh people some people say things like that because they're afraid and norman's like well he's my dad he shouldn't be afraid of me so that kind of goes to the idea of like his dad thinks he's like an embarrassment or something to be like something to be hidden and that kind of, of goes along with that
0: yeah a lot of kind of his dad's feelings towards him come across as being like you're inconveniencing this family. We didn't ask for you to be like this. We would rather you not be like this. Mm -hmm. Um, My life personally would be better if you weren't, if you were normal kind of thing. Uh, But it's, and that I think, like I said, we're doing more of like, you know, the gay reading of this. Mm -hmm. But that specific like aspect, especially of his dad's treatment of him is something that I feel like is very like related to mental health stuff too. But like specifically like autism and like ADHD in a way. Of the whole like placing the burden of your child's like special needs on you, you know? And yeah. Stuff. Because so much of that kind of way that he talks about like Norman's, you know, uh, seeing like dead people thing mm-hmm. is that it's like something that is inconveniencing him personally and mm-hmm. not something that Norman has to deal with every day kind of thing.
1: No, yeah. It's also it's very. Where lives with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm.
0: Because it's also very much so like the entire town is focused on even if you could see ghosts, that would make you worse. (laughs) You know, you would still be a freak. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We would still not like you because now you can see ghosts and you're not lying about it and stuff. So it's like, you know, it's not a win situation for Norman either way, especially at the beginning. (laughs) But the biggest thing about oh there is something like that we mentioned that the whole seeing ghost thing or just like being ostracized is something invisible and this is just a cool character design element but i did want to mention it is that all of the characters that can see ghosts or are like the psychic kind of characters in a way have like this fun little design element where instead of having round like pupils or um eyeballs i guess it's not like their entire eyeball so it's, uh, what's what call it called the pupil the iris the iris, I the think. iris, yeah, the, yeah. The all of their irises are kind of like octagonal or something. Like they're not entirely circular. They have like squared off sides around them and stuff. I don't. I think it's eight sides, so I think it is mm-hmm. octagon. But I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't. I haven't found a good photo yet. Mm-hmm. But it's like just kind of a cool character design element that's more like them having fun with the puppets and stuff than it is an actual like physical difference thing.
1: No, yeah, and also, I also one aspect about his character, he does push people away, and then he ends up being friends with the other kid that, like, no one likes, and it's very akin to, like, being middle school, when you mm-hmm. and your, like, close female best friend are kind of different, and no one likes you both, but, like, yeah. you don't know why, and you just hang out a lot to with each other, because mm-hmm. you're the yeah. weird kids no one likes.
0: yeah. And you're not liked for different things sometimes, but you're yeah. still able
1: to bond over it. You know? Oh yeah, they definitely relate to it in that way. Like mm-hmm. he, I think people make fun of him because he's like a little. He has larger.
0: IBS and he's fat, and he okay. like has a Hello Kitty like or like those are his words, Kitty, right? Like lunchbox. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna find his like thing actually. Yeah. Okay. N- Neil's line specifically he's like Norman says I keep telling you Neil I like to be alone and Neil's like so do I let's do it together you shouldn't let them get you down they always do stuff like that to me like referring to the bullies and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and Norman's like why do they why why do they do stuff to you and Neil's like because I'm fat and my allergies make my eyes leak and I sweat when I walk too fast and I have a lunchbox with a kitten on it and I have irritable bowel syndrome
1: (laughs) and I guess there's a whole bunch of stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's it no yeah like so he's was like, like, a like a very like cute so, little character very yeah. nice kind of definitely relate to norman in in a one way or another yeah
0: like for him it's kind of like he's just that kid that a lot of people kind of like knew growing up that was like perfectly nice but a lot of people just didn't like him because he was you know kind of an outcast or he Different, had quote unquote yeah mm. it does come mm. in more with the
1: mental health kind of thing there too especially yeah. for his character yeah, and I think also what like I think the director talked a lot about how like you know like definitely relating to his feelings of feeling like no one understood him or having something different about him that people um, people are afraid of and or don't like. Oh, yes. Um, I think we have a quote from him if you wanna. Yeah, um, we have a quote from an article.
0: It's um from Glad actually an interview with them, uh, an interview with Chris Butler, the out creator of Paranorman, on the Glad blog, um, and a, a quote from him about. Uh, putting together this message that the film, the strong message the film has of like accepting people that are different and against bullying and stuff, without being super preachy or overly didactic, is what it says. Um, one of his quotes in this—it's a relatively long response, so I'm not going to read all of it. But like I said, there's like one sentence of it that we thought fit pretty well, especially in relation to how his experiences as a person informed his writing the script and like directing it is. It was pretty easy to delve back into my own childhood and mine those feelings of awkwardness and confusion about how you fit into the world. I got really excited by playing with this idea of contrasting the fictional horror of monster movies with the real horror of what it's like to be 11 years old when you're not one of the popular kids. Uh, Those themes of tolerance and bullying and how that reflected Aggie's witch hunt story all came together pretty easily when I knew what I wanted to say." So the biggest, that's end quote. Mm-hmm. So the biggest kind of thing for him there was that he drew on his own experiences kind of growing up which because he is a gay man definitely comes from a place of growing up as a gay man yeah. <laughs> and stuff and facing that kind of um confusion about how you fit into the world. He says,
1: yeah. The real horror was the homophobia all along. Yep. The real villain <laughs> of paranormalist is homophobia. <laughs> Yeah, so that's pretty much it with Norman. Yeah, um, when, when there's
0: yeah, there's more general kind of stuff. There's a bunch of quotes, honestly, that I could pull up from his dad or like the mm-hmm. way other people treat him. But like, you could general, make a whole
1: podcast just on his quotes, just because there's so yeah. much to like unpack. But
0: honestly, this movie is so good with the dialogue. So that's that's also its own thing. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm just gonna like, I'm gonna like push this every good thing about this movie every time we mention something about it that I haven't had a chance to push yet. Okay. So the dialogue slaps.
1: All stops. of it, wonderful, 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 very well written, very okay. well written. For a so movie.
0: yeah, so now we're getting into if you didn't, if you listened to the spoilers earlier, did you already know we're going to get back into some more kind of year territory?
1: Um yeah. So for it's the few 2012 d- movie. <laughs> yeah, so just again, if you d- want to watch this movie and don't really want any major plot points, I would stop listening now because we're going to delve skip into. skip this whole section. We'll, probably yeah. we'll figure it out.
0: You know. Mm-hmm, yeah. But um, uh, next we're talking about Agatha, Aggie, the witch. Yeah, Who so, is
1: an 11-year-old girl? <laughs> yeah, so yep. basically, as we described before, she's she's um, kind of caught for, quote-unquote, speaking with the dead as she's just playing around, but she's also hung for her crimes by a court of, like, homophobic Puritans.
0: Yeah, like a bunch of adults and like, kind of a court. It, it's not, like, explained. They're kind of like a jury, and then there is, like, the actual judge, but most of the other people are, like, just t- Puritan townspeople kind of surrounding her. Mm-hmm. yeah. So definitely
1: very Salem witch mm-hmm. trial vibe. Like, that's yes, kind of the implication. Like, yeah, the yeah. big
0: kind of vibe. Is that it's very much so, like, kind of a witch trial where she couldn't do anything against it.
1: Yeah. And it's also, like, the scene, like, there's the scene where she's, like, the flashback to the trial. It's really mm-hmm. very sad. Oh, um, yeah.
0: Like, when I saw this movie for the first time, like I said, I know I had, like, it had a big emotional impact on me, but, like, by the time it got to the end of the movie, I was, like, probably full on sobbing, you know? No, yeah.
1: It's a very, like, emotional. Even watching it, like, I watched it, like, oh, yeah. a couple weeks ago, and that was, like, wow. Like, really impactful. When we, like, really watched it together yeah, mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. No, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to exclude you from that. <laughs> yeah. We watched it as an apartment. Yes
0: our apartment watched it because one of our roommates laughs at all of the movie even the
1: inappropriate times (laughs) yeah when he's he's being made fun of she just laughs it's really funny um but no yeah so he definitely like in relation to norman she definitely relates a lot to him it's very direct parallel there's like part of it is literally that they are related some
0: way um it's not explicitly said how exactly but we know that they're related because agatha's last name is prendergast and the way that his ghost-seeing psychic kind of abilities, we know, is passed down genetically because his great-uncle, or his uncle, has the ability to see ghosts, too. And his last name is mm-hmm. Prendergast. He's Uncle Prendergast. So you know that they're related in some way. Mm-hmm. They look some very similar. Years. Their character l- design oh, yeah. almost identical. The, the that only that difference yeah. is that, like, she has the long, straight hair, and his long, straight
1: hair goes straight up. <laughs> no, yeah, literally. It's a <laughs> difference in gravity. goes up, one goes down. Yep. Um... And so, yeah, so definitely large parallels when he kind of has to mediate the situation where she's kind of inflicting mm-hmm. the curse upon the town. Yeah, they they talk, like, like I said, besides, like, looking similar, they
0: talk in similar kind of, like, mannerisms, or, like, they have similar kind of, like, themes to their story as well. But, like, specifically for, like, talking, they have, like, a recurring kind of, like, not line necessarily or motif, but, like, Norman is like, I I like to be alone. I'm trying to push people away here. Stop trying to make friends with me. I didn't ask for you guys' help and stuff. And, like, I get this kind of thing once you find at the end of the movie you kind of learn her story is that she was more alone and she, now she's pushing people away and she doesn't want him to come near and mm-hmm.
1: stuff. hmm yeah, for sure. And definitely he says, Norman says lines like um, when the townspeople are kind of condemning the witch and the curse, like he says yeah. like, oh, she was no different than me. Yeah, um, like exactly. Yeah, so definitely direct parallels to like his yes. being under- misunderstood and being ostracized for it. Obviously, he wasn't like hung for it, even though they do threaten yeah. his life multiple yeah. times. <laughs> but um, um, <laughs> it's definitely the feeling of like being ostracized, having no one understand you. It's another one of those things that you look at and you're, you're like, like, wow, <laughs> this, these adults just really threatened to murder this uh, 11 oh, yeah. year old boy. So <laughs> uh, that's not great. Um, no, yeah, so definitely direct parallels with her. Um,
0: okay. Um, like I said, the other biggest parallels I think are, there's uh, the biggest connection is like their overall character growth, I guess. They kind of have like I said, Norman doesn't really have a big kind of like character arc as much as he kind of has a one in, in tandem with hers, I guess. Or like the way that his character arc is realized is through, um, calming her i guess mm-hmm. the spirit and stuff. Yeah. Which is i guess kind of like a metaphor in a way but it's also literally like they are dealing with the same issues so he finds like the answer to his own when he's helping her figure it out kind of yeah. or calming her down.
1: Yeah it's very cathartic and it's also just um he's um she's able to like he, like he's able to help her because they're they relate to each other so much, mm-hmm. and the fact that like yeah. she pushes people away and he also pushes people away, and so helping her kind of help helps him embrace kind of friendship and love and support he needs. Yeah. Um,
0: because the main difference between the two of them, by the by the point in the movie where he's actually confronting her as like Aggie the little girl and not trying to fight her as a general witch, kind of like trying to put the witch back to bed another year as it was, mm-hmm. is like. Um, He's finally kind of reached this point where he's been accepted and he realizes that there are people that care about him. And even if he couldn't see it before or he pushed them away because he'd had trauma, basically, you know, or mm-hmm. the other people had treated him horribly already and stuff. And he didn't want to get close to anyone because of that. Mm-hmm. So for Aggie's whole story is... Um, they're basically I think the main person that was close to her was like her mom or something. Or she's mentioned in a one off kind of like thing, a little story at the end when Norman is like, there must have been somebody who cared for you. Even if you can't remember them now because you've gone through so much trauma and you've um morphed away from like who you originally were to inflict that trauma back on other people. So you can't like remember what you were why you uh like you are wanted... the way that you are. Yeah. Well, you can't remember why you became such a horrible thing in the first place or Mm -hmm. why it was worth it to to become that thing, I guess.
1: No, yeah, and also definitely relates, like, going back to, like, themes of, like, gay subtext. Definitely Mm -hmm. there is a lot of, like, emotional development hindrances that occur when you're in an environment that's really hostile to the core of your identity, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, growing up, like, in the – I know, like, uh, we just did a project about growing up in the South and being Mm -hmm. gay uh, or being queer and having that be, like – being in such a hostile environment really affects how you – relate to people how you develop relationships with people how you get close to people um
0: yeah and how it's not even maybe necessarily a conscious thing like you know you're gay when mm -hmm. it's happening but that it happens from like so early on that Mm -hmm. it can be like you feel ostracized even if nothing has technically happened to you because you know the way people would react if you ever figured that out or like told them about it kind of thing Mm -hmm. yeah and i definitely
1: like throughout the Dude, definitely and like being almost relating to like becoming the elephant in the room and throughout mm-hmm. the movie parent like yeah. Paranorman, <laughs> norman is literally the elephant in the room because he's always a conflict with him it's always like yes. he's gonna be at school and now this is a big problem and so it definitely relates mm-hmm. like there's so much and obviously because Chris yeah. Butler is a his, gay man but his, you know so much subtext
0: yeah there's actually a quote like his sister says um about not halfway through the movie but probably about that point maybe a little over where she's like you had to get everyone involved in all of your weird stuff and mm-hmm. things but it's like he and then his kind of response is that like i didn't ask for your help if i w- i think this is the part where he says if i'd known i was going to be in a library trying to like read books i would have brought a completely different group of people that hate me or something no, yeah. like that which is a really funny line but it's also a burn. really sad <laughs> <laughs> it's a self-burn but at what cost you know no yeah but he's um generally like said he pushed other people away but like everybody else is c- generally kind of like seeing
1: him only as like the problems that he causes too mm-hmm. yeah they see him as a problem his yeah. whole existence is a problem yeah which is like also problematic for someone's like <laughs> <Yeah>. self esteem and <laughs> all of that yeah
0: his whole existence the problem to like his community at large especially mm-hmm. not just even like at school but like and there's like his opening sequence of him walking to school like um, kinda like not I don't think it's the opening credits, but it is like the opening sequence scene, kind of yeah. when he's mm-hmm. going it's like after walking the opening school, scene. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Because the actual opening scene is him watching like a horror movie with his grandma and then there's a little fun banter with the family and stuff mm-hmm. that's like introducing you to the fact that, oh, his dad hates <laughs> them. <laughs> but look at these funny lines, you know? Oh, yeah. But like um and his mom's heart can't connect very well, but she's trying, I guess. Mm-hmm. But like the after that he's like walking to school and he's a little late and stuff. And it's this whole thing of him kind of, like, showing off that he can see ghosts. And it's a really cool kind of, like, animated stuff of, you know, you can see him talking to all the ghosts, but you also see how literally all of the, like, people around him that aren't, like, ghosts, like, look at him, like, not even in just kind of, like, a silly uh, side-eye, kind of, like, what's that kid doing? But in, like, this tired kind of, like, ugh, this kid again?
1: <laughs> we hate oh, this yeah. kid. <laughs> yeah, lots of animosity. Oh, yeah. Also, it's just, like, yeah, like, I think... I might, might have been talking in circles but like having like when you're going up having that idea of like you don't know what's different about you but something's different and people are finding a, like a problem with it like yeah. you can't pinpoint exactly what's different about you but like you mm-hmm. definitely feel the effects of other people's judgment
0: yeah um we're probably gonna bring this up again at the end because i already mentioned that it would probably be the gag that we make but i feel like if you took the movie Paranorman and you got rid of the para part like all of the paranormal
1: so just stuff. Norman. yeah just
0: so norman. it's just norman <laughs> and you just made it like the same movie then it would be impossible to look at this movie without assuming that norman is gay you know no, yeah. if everything was the exact same from like how he was treated at school and his family like reacted to him and stuff and things and the only difference is just that it isn't based in a supernatural plot of he can also see ghosts and that's why then that's like the only logical conclusion you can come to it because it's set the way it is it does it doesn't make sense as a racial thing and Mm -hmm. because it's like very much so explicitly not about that i guess Mm -hmm. like the movie pretty solidly stays away from anything besides more specific critiques of things that can be related to racism but aren't specifically about racism
1: yeah like this is definitely not something you can really read into for race but sexuality or like some kind of yeah mental health issues and stuff that can definitely be read into with the movie um, yeah. Also, Twitch mentioning, just like a fun fact, it's like on the Leica website, this, um, the only, like, Paranorman is um, the only, like, Pride merchandise they have. They have, like, a cute little t shirt with, like, Mitch, we'll, we'll talk yeah. about it in a second, holding a Pride flag. So yep. I think that even the, like, the <laughs> studio was very well aware of the impact that it's had. Yeah, but it's um, also
0: not like they've made like it's not like it's a $25 t-shirt but it's also like the only thing they have that's like a specifically pride thing it's not mm-hmm. so much like we're a bank and we're going to, to you know corporation at pride kind of thing it's oh it's yeah. like just kind of like oh this is something that made an impact on people so we're gonna
1: put something yeah. there for yeah. them it, <laughs> it doesn't it give nice. me like the rainbow capitalist vibe yeah you know what I mean it gives yeah. me like a oh that's cute oh <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> and if, honestly, if it's funding, like, more amazing movies like Paranorman, I would give them all my money. they oh, yeah. They're just they produce amazing movies. Even, like, Kubo and the Two Strings yes. and all that. Like, they're yeah, amazing the, movies.
0: The thing that I like most about general the movies, I think, is that they don't always handle them all perfectly. Like, there are some issues I have more with, like, some of their other movies and, like, some topics, like, the way they're handled. Um, the Box Trolls is one that, like, I would have to rewatch to get more into. But, like, it's, like, one of those movies where it's, like, it's a really good movie overall. Mm-hmm. a has not made a bad movie yet.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but, like, they generally tackle, like, a bunch of topics that are in kids' movies, but that you don't generally see tackled in kids' movies. So, like, Koopa and the Two Strings is really, like, a big story about grief and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they got some backlash, be re- like, reasonable backlash over the fact that they mainly cast, like, white actors for, like, the Yeah, roles. for, like, East Asian yes. roles. Which is, yeah, completely but, fair. Yeah. Completely fair. So, like said, so that's some of, like, the general stuff. Is they've had, like, missteps definitely here and there. But it's, like, overall they tend to go for, like, that was... Let's see. Kubo and the Two Strings came out like 2016. When did um, what was it? The Disney movie? I never got to see it. The one with the guitar and the going to the um the Mexican one, that is it?
1: I have no idea what you're talking about. It won like great. Um, oh, Coco! Yes, I th- I thought you like Disney Channel. Yes, Coco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, The oh, like movie was handled beautifully. Yeah, beautifully. But
0: like, it's yeah. Th- Coco, I can think of as like the next big movie that came out, and that came out like 2018, right? Or something. Yeah, that was like a yeah. kids' movie specifically that dealt with grief and things mm. like that. And it was also
1: definitely more culturally sensitive because yeah. the whole, it had that culture embedded in it. But also, mm. to the, the cre- like the criticisms, credit like so did Kubo and the Two Strings. It was very focused on I yeah. think, Japanese culture, was it, or just was East Asia in general? I wasn't sure
0: it was more of a general kind of like east asia i think because they pulled from more less specific folklore and more Mm -hmm. of a general kind of creating their own folklore thing
1: but even then like you know i mean like definitely the sensitivity isn't there yeah Mm -hmm. but
0: it was like it was a very like good handling of kind of like grief and stuff Mm -hmm. oh i cried at that movie i did get to see that one in theaters (laughs) and there's also a really good cover of um um While my guitar gently Yes, by Regina Spector. That's in the credit scene. And that's, it's genuinely so good. Oh my God. I have it like downloaded on my phone. Like it's one of those songs that like, I was like, ooh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like the orchest orchestration of it is like um, more East Asian inspired, and mm-hmm. it like works really well. It's like yeah. a really it's a really good song.
1: Leica like didn't pay us for this. We just like them a lot. By <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: the way, yeah. <laughs> we <are laughs> went on like a five minute <laughs> tangent about how the movies are good. They are good movies. That's
0: that's the the main issue probably with us doing Paranorman is that we went from a movie where we couldn't stop talking about how bad it was, and now we can't stop talking about that this is a yeah. good one. Yeah. Next
1: <laughs> one will probably be like. Eh. an average yeah. one. Like, yeah, we gotta, a really bad one, we really gotta good find one.
0: a movie that we feel absolutely
1: ambivalent about, <laughs> except eh. for the fact that eh, it could be gay, you know? <laughs> it's fine. No,
0: yeah. yeah, it's fine, I guess.
1: Could be gay. Could be gay. <laughs> no, yeah. Is there anything? Oh, Mitch. Yes. Obviously. So yes. I said,
0: we do have to talk about, um, the, I guess, the literal elephant in the room when it comes to gay representation
1: in the movie, because mm. he's literally the gay character in the yes. movie. Yes, yeah. Very clearly, explicitly stated. Yeah,
0: like he says, I have a boyfriend. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, yeah. And that's kind of what we talked about before. It was kind of the joke, because his sister what's his the character's name his sister? Uh, Courtney is Courtney yeah Courtney is Norman's sister yeah so Courtney is like flirting with him obviously the whole movie he yeah. just doesn't he just doesn't get a clue oh, he's no. really no yeah very just very like goes over his head and so at the end of the movie she um she kind of invites him out on a date to go see like a movie yeah um and then he goes well you should out- yeah I'll bring my boyfriend he's a total chick flick nut or yeah, something like, like that yeah that's like it I think um and so it's kind of like a and she's like Oop, well okay I <laughs> guess okay. I'll try again on another um, boy <laughs> um, oh man okay <laughs> no, yeah but, yeah It's definitely
0: also because a lot of kind of like I said, paranormal is the whole tolerance, but also like you shouldn't judge people for things you don't like understand and Mm -hmm. stuff or it's but it's weird in a way like I definitely like think it's good that they added it in there. But I feel like it's one of those things that's kind of handled in a slightly weird way because the message of the movie doesn't actually have a ton to do, I think, with stereotyping. Yeah. It has a lot to do with not understanding people, kind of. Like, not putting in the effort to understand people beyond, like, the representations you're taught to villainize them about and stuff. But it doesn't yeah. really put in anything specifically about, like, stereotyping them. But it does, in a more general sense, have give you a bunch of stock characters at the beginning of the movie that then are kind of deepened as the movie goes on. For Mitch, it's not so much, like... They like none of the characters I would say are really truly like super deep anyway. Like they're very funny. They have like some mm-hmm. deep bits, but they're like not still like super deep. It's uh, they're fun character studies definitely, but they yeah. still stay relatively close to kind of like their stereotype while breaking out of it at some points. And for him, that was kind of like the big moment for him. It just came across more because it was specifically about him being gay. I think.
1: Yeah, and also I mean yeah, so kind of does it It is loosely connected, but I think it's also connected in the fact that like the whole movie is about. Yes, it's about, like, tolerance, but also, like, judgment and, like, judging yeah. people. And especially with, like, the characters, like, the zombies and stuff, how people judge them, even though in the yeah. movie they're not a threat, right? And so yeah. we have all these uh, conceptions about, or preconceptions about uh, Mitch. He's, like, a total jock. Like, he must be, like, super yeah. buff guy. He's super definitely straight, not smart. Um, super, like, <laughs> dumb. Yeah. she. You know? um,
0: there's a scene where um, they're in the his van, and uh, Courtney is like, do you work out? What do you do to get your deltoids like this? And he's like, I've never taken deltoids in my life, I swear. You can
1: test me. No, yeah, he's he's lots so of fun little punchlines like that. But yeah, it's very just like we have as, as an audience, and even the people in the movie, we have all these like, Sorry. it's okay, she's laughing really loud at the joke. Um, we have all these like preconceived notions about Mitch yeah. as a character and his sex, kind of make assumptions about his sexuality yeah. and how it's kind of flipped on its head. Which you is think really he's fun. just
0: kind of like dumb, but he's like obviously not getting it because he's dumb, not because. He's gay. But then no, the yeah. twist
1: is that he's also dumb and gay, which is good because I feel like we need more dumb gay representation out there sometimes. No, tag yourself. I'm dumb and <laughs> gay. Um, no, yeah, for sure. And it's also like, it is a point of like, him being gay isn't the punchline. Yeah. I think it's the expectation yeah. of him being straight. And then yeah, it's the ex- straight yeah. yeah, it's the expectation that oh, he's finally going to
0: get a clue or something here. Yeah, that she's asking like, oh, like stereotypical like or boy meets girl. Or he's finally going to go oh, yeah, sure, or something. And they're going to agree to go out and be kind of like happy for her ending kind of thing but instead it's like oh well i guess it's not a bad ending (laughs) but it's not what you were expecting you know kind of subversive stereotyping still which like i said i feel like it's a good way to come across it in the movie Mm -hmm. and i understand why they didn't commit to it as fully as they could have but i feel like the movie would have been better for it if they were able to commit to it more like either bringing it up earlier or making it more of his character Mm -hmm. because i feel like in general what a lot of gay representation kind of lacks I guess is that it's either exclusively focused on them being gay to the point where that is their entire character or them being gay is such a side note that it doesn't come up with them at all you know where yeah. like they mention oh this person's gay but we're never going to show them to do anything beyond like maybe kissing their partner on screen kind of thing yeah you know no, yeah. because and i neither of those are perfect for obvious reasons mm-hmm. and i feel like for like a it was big for them because if after Coraline, this was their next big... This was the next movie they came out with. And Coraline was an adaptation, and it was... I think it's the, their movie that made the most money. Maybe until, like, recently. Or maybe at all, actually. Because it was, like, the Neil Gaiman adaptation. Mm-hmm, of A popular attraction. book. Yeah. And it was really good, too. But mm-hmm. it was definitely, like, their first kind of, like, film. So they've, like, refined since, but Paranorman was their first original movie that was, like, the same company. But, like, it had an original writer. wasn't an adaptation of anything. So they kind of didn't have that... Um, to rely on I guess they didn't have that fan base that was already there like they probably mm-hmm. gained some fans from people going oh that's cool but they didn't really have like a dedicated number of these people like like a films like films that are their style of films
1: also off topic but he looks like a dorito his body (laughs) shape is like he has and everyone's kind of like they have like weird character designs that are kind of funny and so his body shape is like his super broad shoulders and then he's like a little bitty waist he looks like a little dorito it's kind of funny
0: like because they have like slightly weird kind of like moldy characters because it is um it's not claymation but it's stop motion like i said for Paranorman, it's all like 3d printed for the most part there was some Mm -hmm. 3d animation added in Mm -hmm. and like it means that they get like these wild characters like they were in this point where it's not super realistic looking, you know? Yeah. But it's like purposeful. It it works for the movie specifically because it kind of makes it feel kinda like, you know, spooky Halloweenish in some of the characters. Yeah. But it also yeah. just kind of makes them feel like like how um stereotypes and some of the characters were archetypes more i guess than stereotypes yeah. and that kind of is another way of making it more like that that comes across better because it's such like and it's cartoonish you know mm-hmm. so it's it works with the theme i think oh yeah it's sure. also just super funny because that man and i wish we could like draw a picture for you so i'm gonna try and paint the picture in your minds if you can imagine a fork and then if you took a dorito and you stuck it kind of between the tines of the fork Um, And I'm saying Dorito because he does have red hair, so that's specific to this, too. Um, That is what this man looks like.
1: Yeah, it's pretty accurate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He looks so funny. Yeah, he's quite funny. Um, No, yeah, but, yeah, so that was kind of a groundbreaking thing for And that was one of the main criticisms, I think, from, like, people that were, like, a little more, like, like socially no. conservative so woke. um not as hashtag woke um <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh was like oh you know how they they say like oh the gays are ruining the children yeah. blah yeah. blah blah like, like i up. mean 2012 <laughs> was 2012
0: we were like right in the middle of
1: obama, obama <laughs> elected. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: it was elected
1: like yeah like we were right in the middle of obama it was in so no, the obama error era, era. <laughs> the obama error error no, not a- era. Yeah. People I mean, were, yeah. But we also didn't have gay marriage yet. Not like that means we had gay rights or anything, but... <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, also, I think the context is important, because it's just, like, yeah. if g- gay marriage, like, obviously, like, the, the whole, that's a whole other topic of, like, yes, there's just still discrimination just because gay marriage yeah. is legalized. There's so many other things to talk about, but yeah. the fact that it wasn't legalized, and it's it was even more, I guess, yeah. like, stigmatized or taboo in the it legal was co- system.
0: It was still within that era of... Um, more LGBT activism becoming prominent, but not necessarily to the forefront that I would say it's at, like, America's mindset today, you know? Like, where it's kind of, like, a topic of conversation that you would hear much more often, especially when things like HB2 and stuff in North Carolina came oh, out. Oh, yeah. So, like sure. I said, now it's much more of kind of, like, um... I mean, obviously, I was also 12 in 2012, so maybe I just can't yeah. speak very well on it. Yeah, I probably but wasn't like, the
1: most most like woke middle schooler, I'm gonna, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna I be was honest. Not, that not. Oh I was very gosh. problematic, so... Uh, but we
0: were also in middle school, and like I said, eighth graders are the worst people in the world. If you're like I
1: always say, if you if you are weren't a bad person in middle school, you're probably a bad person now. Like you have to get yeah. all of the like gross parts of your personality out in middle school, and then yeah. you'll be fine. <laughs> but middle school is just <laughs> not good for anybody.
0: <laughs> well, I feel like if you were nice in middle school, then maybe you're just like a saint,
1: or like you got it out some other way, and we just didn't see how. You know? No. Yeah. But no, yeah. So it definitely was different, like a social climate, I think, and that's yeah. probably where a lot of the backlash came from. Like, there's still yeah, definitely there backlash with gay characters and kids sh- shows and TVs now. Oh, definitely. But it not was to definitely the same yeah, not the same extent. Um, Paranorman threw the first brick. <laughs> <laughs> Paranorman threw the first brick at Stonewall. If you didn't know, <laughs> it's yeah. that's completely sarcasm. I know it was not Paranorman. <laughs>
0: um. Yeah, we should clarify. But yes, yes, <laughs> that was completely sarcasm.
1: Yes. Stonewall was a very important thing in history. But yeah, <laughs> just for that's a joke for fun.
0: Yep but they did kind of like i guess start breaking down that wall in children's media because like i said they were the first um feature animated film or mm-hmm. wide wide release animated film i think it was to mm-hmm. um have a gay character like which is hu-
1: huge like you you would think yeah. like it's one of the whenever you hear a first you're like oh that's definitely have happened before but yeah. like, that's pretty huge like in 2012 yeah. you know what i mean that's like so recent
0: yeah like, like in what? our cultural Eight timeline like we've had animated movies for kids how long you know And it's like there have been gay characters in movies for forever. But like for kids, it's pretty much exclusively been a this isn't for kids thing, you know, either because it's dirty and sexual kind of like connotation or, you know, an unhealthy connotation, of course. Um,
1: Perverse like people say a lot of times people say like, oh, like, yeah, I don't see like we don't see straight people parading around and blah, blah, blah. But it's just like that's just you every day. Yeah. (laughs) Every day is a straight parade. Um, but anyway, yeah, so it's just, like, kind of normalizing it. I think that was yeah. so valuable, for sure.
0: Yeah. Like I said, it, t- in today's day and age, I have the um, space to be able to criticize it for what it could have been. Mm-hmm. But, like, considering both where um, Laika was in their career of making movies, especially in, like, making movies that are aimed mostly towards kids, you know, are family fun romp for all, but, like, aimed towards kids. Yeah. It was, pr- pretty, I'd say it's pretty good of them, you know? No, but yeah, it also a job. Yeah, it also is like another testament. Like um the director specifically mentions I think in one of the other interviews we found. I think it's one from The Advocate. One second, I'm going to find it. Fill some space if you want or we can just wait until I find it. <coughs> so I do have a well this is a quote from the, um, the advocate.com interview with uh the director, of course. With uh, Chris Butler. Mm-hmm. But this is just another quote kind of related more towards, like, Mitch. But he explains it more, I guess. Because, like I said, I couldn't quite see, because stereotyping it specifically wasn't as much of a um yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. But he explains it well or more like this. But in a sense, that made it all the more potent, I think, because Mitch is just an ordinary guy. And what I wanted to do with the script throughout the story was, first of all, to turn preconceptions on their head. But also, every character in the movie is judging someone else, good and bad, usually misjudging, and I wanted to make the audience complicit in that. You think you know that a zombie is going to want to eat your brain, you think that this dumb jock is going to be straight. (laughs) Actually, you don't know everything just by looking at them, and that was important to me. And also, I thought it was a funny joke.
1: No, yeah, <laughs> pretty sums it up pretty well. Yeah, so yeah. the idea of like having these preconceived notions and having them completely debunked because you can't judge people from looking at them, you can't judge people's straightness or yeah. gender or like whatever, you know, by looking at them, and that's kind of like a really well. Because
0: I feel like that kind of clarifies it more for me too. Is that yeah. it was less about the stereotyping than it was about
1: how everybody in the movie is judging each other. So yeah, constantly. That's like a yeah. big theme in the movie, like, especially with the adults at the yeah, very the a- end.
0: The adults, the entire movie the adults are constantly not even just just misjudging norman but misjudging everything around them like once norman has like this group of people together then they're all running around trying to you know stop this curse and stuff there is a funny joke with or a funny relevant joke because it was 2012 too so i feel like more maybe more timely now but like just as timely then is the one where the police officer is like stop shooting at civilians that is for the police to do
1: Oh yeah! Wow, I that just flew over my head. I didn't even remember that. Yeah, Yeah, that's actually very sad. Um, Yeah, Yeah. no, yeah. Because (laughs) this is like because
0: this is when there's basically a riot going on the streets because all of the townspeople are like, "Oh my god, zombies! We gotta kill them!" So they just start pulling out their weapons and stuff, and just Mm -hmm. like, and you know, they're open carry. Some of them literally are like guns, and some of them are just like makeshift things that they found that they're trying to kill zombies with. Yeah, you know, pitchforks. Yeah, there's like later when they're at the um. Uh, the town hall and they're trying to smoke the zombies out, except it's actually Norman and his friends and also the zombies. The zombies are just kind of to the side there. Mostly it's just mm-hmm. them, you know? Yeah. Um, they, A uh, little girl lights her teddy bear on fire and tries to throw it through the window attached to a brick.
1: No, yeah. And that's,
0: like, the beginning of them, like, starting to, like, try and, like, burn down this building. Like, their town hall where they keep, like, a bunch of, like, important records and stuff. Mm-hmm. And also there's like human beings inside, even if it was kind of like they're not supposed, they don't need to fight the zombies anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. No, yeah, for sure. Uh,
0: one thing that I do think is important to mention is that the movie got a PG rating, which was also notable at the time for like 2012 because it was with the addition of them having a joke about having a gay character and having a gay character. Because probably before that point, it was basically guaranteed that your rating would go up at least one step if you had a gay character in it at all. Let alone one that, like, mentioned they were gay and it was aimed at kids. So, like, no, yeah. it was the fact that it was it's mentioned in this, like, article, which is not the Advocate article, but the Glad one, that they were genuinely a little bit, like, happy and surprised <laughs> that they got the PG rating because they put that in there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So, there is also the zombies themselves, which I feel like are really good kind of, like, Vehicle for carrying the idea that you've been taught to villainize things through, like, media and representation and things that you've never possibly, like, met or seen in real life. For these people, they've never seen a zombie in real life, because for us zombies don't exist. But for them, they've just, you know, never seen a zombie in real life. But their first instinct is, oh, it's a horror movie creature. We're going to have to kill it, because it's going to kill us. Even though mm-hmm. the zombies aren't doing anything, they're just kind of shambling. They're not actively yeah. hurting anybody.
1: They don't pose any physical, emotional, whatever, f- mental threat, no. but, like, just they never- their appearance alone is enough to, like, Drive the town into a frenzy.
0: Yeah, because they they are zombies and they look like zombies, so everybody is like, we got to treat them like how we how we know zombies should be treated, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Sh-
1: Keyword should, right? They, uh, again, with the yeah. theme of, like, judgment, like, yeah. judging people.
0: The fact that they use this kind of, like, horror um, monster vehicle is also, like, very interesting, not just for the zombies, but also kind of through the witch, because it turns the whole, like, the witch is a scary thing, you know, that people put in, like, horror movies, but it's also... Based on the idea that, you know, women were persecuted (laughs) for things. No, yeah. Not even just, like, women, but, you know, sometimes it was, like, gay men. But it was mostly women. Mostly, like, women of color (laughs) and servants and lower class women and things like that. Yes,
1: of course. For sure. And even, like, the whole, like, town is built upon this horrible. Yeah. Any kind of memory, right? And the whole town is built upon this, like, really horrible economic exploitation of yeah. this little girl and this, pre- like, this, like, w- distorted, like, idea of the story. Like, the, you want to talk about, yeah. like, the statue and all of that. Yeah, yeah, the whole,
0: like, nobody in the town ever gives any hint that this is some kind of, like, malicious thing. Like, somebody purposefully said we're going to cover up the fact that we killed a little girl. Oh, my gosh. You know, we got to cover that up. It was just, like, it probably morphed over time or somebody did and it was nobody knows. But nobody in this town seems to realize that, their history is built on literally the death of the murder of basically of an eleven year old girl two hundred years ago. Yeah. That they now like celebrate. They they have a statue of her in their town square. Except and but I am a statue of her, I mean like an adult wicked witch style lady with the a big hooked nose. nose and Yeah, all that like the villainous kind of like witchy thing. And it's like in memory of the witch's curse and stuff. And there's okay, I wrote down some of the names of the shops in these area because like all of the shops in this downtown area are like kitschy kind of like witchy themed stuff um there is the hung and dried dry cleaner uh there is the witch's kitchen witchy wieners things like that but also on their like sign going into their town it says blight's hollow a nice place to hang and then it has a a graphic of a witch hanging and giving a thumbs up (laughs) like a caricature witch and stuff too and it's yeah. like, obviously, this history has been covered up or buried or just lost to time. Even though, Like I said, it's like 200 years or something like that. So it's not super long ago, honestly. It's like long ago for America. But, you know, it's like not that long. Ago. Yeah. It's like yeah. only a few generations back. Yeah, literally, it's like three or four. But it's yeah. like something obviously like happened in this town that this is like something that they've unknowingly built their entire like commerce on. Yeah. The entire commercialization of the town is built on her trauma basically
1: capitalism profiting off the trauma from minorities since 1492 <laughs> <laughs> in america <Yeah>. happy thanksgiving <laughs>
0: like said, so that specifically is another one of those things that's like looking back on it it's, mm-hmm. genuinely it's like kind of
1: like horrifying Ooh. and messed up well, Like when that you're that like little it's like you watch the like oh great place to hang ha yeah. ha and you're like oh no <laughs> oh that was gosh. a child <laughs> oh, oh boy yeah
0: like that so she actually breaks the statue like she sends down. i don't know as she should something. oh yeah yes mm-hmm. queen she deserves to take back her history <laughs> <We> <laughs> love reclaiming it. it You know, <laughs> yeah. but she like breaks the statue with like a big kind of like um bolt of like lightning kind of something like that you know mm-hmm. and causes a little bit of chaos in downtown square this is like after it's already chaos happening because of zombies so it's not like it really added much but it definitely like it's for sure <laughs> but yeah. um it's also uh very interesting because like i said the portrayal of the witch is also how like she is shown kind of before you actually meet her as aggie so like um when the curse is first unleashed there's basically a big kind of floaty cloud witch's head kind of like in the sky like Mm -hmm. a big kind of like kind of tornado-y like hurricane-y looking it has like the more kind of a yellowish tint of like a tornado but it's not like touching the ground or anything it just kind of looks like a big witch's face pointing out but it's also very much so kind of the little girl instead of you know acting like a little girl taking on this label of like a villain that's how for one all, everybody in the town views her and that's how everybody viewed her when they killed her too yeah so that's the for way sure. that she sees the act i guess
1: mm-hmm. and it also feeds into kind of like we talked about like mm-hmm. the cycle of like trauma and having to yeah. oh, we love trauma <laughs> no, having the, trauma is gay yeah, culture <laughs> it's genuinely yeah. like
0: such um an easy theme to realize isn't in the movie when you first watch it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Having seen the movie so many times, I only like the last time I watched it kind of like genuinely kind of put together these like threads, I guess, mm-hmm. of like so much of like Aggie's kind of uh mentality is that she wants to make the people who hurt her suffer and stuff. Yeah. And it's honestly not a not a bad idea to be honest like <laughs> like when you're growing up you have always like you're never gonna you it's hard to wish you good on the people that are actively hating you for something you can't change you know mm-hmm. but m- the message of the movie isn't you have to like the people that hate you for something you can't change the message yeah. of the movie is that trauma begets trauma <laughs> if you no, like, yeah. you succumb to it basically no yeah and
1: the fact that kind of like though it was traumatic it's traumatic for her and then she yeah. kind of she has to re- re-traumatize herself with, with not being able to come to terms with it obviously because she's a dead 11 yeah. year old but um, also just like having that town like that collective trauma of the town and being scared yeah. of that like having like you said trauma gets trauma so the idea of that like undealt, yeah. undealt with unprocessed feelings and trauma can have like community collective effects yeah
0: yeah mm-hmm. because it made a specifically an impact on like the seven zombies that she cursed to rise up you know if the curse every year and stuff but like that was more specifically through that you see how the zombies are now treated, too, you know? Mm -hmm. So the zombies are now suffering just as much as she is through, like, the act of having to come back and be seen as zombies, I guess, too. It's not exactly something that works out to a perfect metaphor for anything in real life, but it definitely kind of makes sense within the, like, view of, like, a cycle of trauma is only going to cause more pain for the people that you're passing it on to.
1: Until you're able to break that cycle, and I think that's what Norman does really well, serving as, like, someone that relates to her and is able to kind of be that healing force so she can like be at at peace and also the town and all the zombies and all of that everyone can be laid to rest
0: yes i kind of mentioned earlier that their character arcs aren't so much like norman has a big character arc as it is that his character arc is kind of tied to hers and like freeing her i guess because they have such similar parallels to their like trauma basically is Mm -hmm. to how the town treats them and how they're seen and you know how they they Connect to the people around them, or you know, fail to, or anything like that. Because for you know, Aggie, she is unable to see anybody around her, or possibly like only had be one person that cared for her enough mm-hmm. to maybe try and stop it, or wasn't able to. Like
1: it's hard for her to come to terms with her own trauma, and so it's kind of like Norman helps her heal in a way that she's able to kind of mm-hmm. overcome it.
0: Basically, the this is like kind of I'm gonna explain a little bit more of the story, but. He, he has to read a bedtime story to her, or that's what he originally has to do, to try and get her to go back to sleep for another year so that the curse doesn't wake up. But um, when that doesn't work, hell breaks loose and they have to go and fix things and stuff and try and stop the curse for real instead of just kind of putting a band-aid on it for another year like the past like solution was. So um, part of that, I guess, can also kind of be related to the trauma of that they haven't ever dealt with it. This like town's collective history hasn't been dealt with at any point or, like, resolved until he actively makes the effort to understand her and, like, Mm -hmm. reach out to her. So it's not entirely on her fault that she didn't recognize that there were people out there to care for her, as it was also that there weren't many people that cared to reach out in the first place. Yeah. Yeah.
1: She There's just needed, like, she just, like, both her and Norman just need like, a nice, like, therapy session. Like, yeah. definitely she was, like, the little girl's dead, so, like, she can't benefit from therapy. But yeah. at the time, she just needs, like, sit down on a nice couch, have someone listen to her, yeah. have someone understand her. And
0: she can say, don't you want to make them suffer? And that's the line that Jenna our made always laughs at. Because it is honestly kind of funny. It's, like, coming from, like, uh, a tiny little girl, yeah. like,
1: don't you want to make them suffer? It's and, and then
0: Norman's just, like, sometimes, yeah, but, like, what good would it do, you know? It's, yeah. Uh, the thing I was getting at for the um story is that he ends up, instead of reading her the story, he tells her her story at the end. He says there's like once upon a time there was a little girl who was different from everybody else and stuff. And she became sad and lonely because she had no one to talk to and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then ev- they killed her. And she's like, no, <laughs> which is um, it's like a really tense kind of part of like the movie also, because it's basically he's retelling the horrible things that have happened to her and Mm -hmm. like this is kind of the point where when you're an adult or you're able to look at it more like that when you're Mm -hmm. because you can kind of see it for the rest of the movie but it's like this point where he's like telling her story kind of back to her that you're like they killed her and you're like oh somebody said it out loud they did (laughs) no yeah they killed her it's definitely like
1: naming reclaiming that yeah
0: yeah and it's kind of like he goes through her story and then it's like he uh the longer the it stayed, well, which I think it, I just wrote down this quote like without context. The longer it stayed, the less there was of the little girl. And I think that that's like the it was um, like her rage or something. It's like referring to her trying to get revenge and stuff and the spirit like inside of her that she's like trying to cause pain for other people because they caused her pain in the first place. And stuff. Yeah. the less there was of her inside. And then it goes into them kind of trying to have like a conversation of there must have been somebody who cared for you in the first place even if you couldn't recognize it at the time
1: mm-hmm.
0: but a lot of that kind of way that they deal with um, Aggie's issues and how she's dealt with them by you know having placing a curse on the town and you know th- becoming a monster basically in a way mm-hmm. is very I guess similar to how he's trying to process trauma himself because so yeah. much of his experiences are similar to her like being ostracized by the town things like that you know mm-hmm. that it's like like I said, it's very cathartic. That's what you used to call it earlier. And it's very true because Mm -hmm. so much of it is like you see him dealing with her issues, but you know that he's also, he's dealing with the same stuff himself. He just kind of reached this conclusion earlier that he found people that were supporting him and they were able to help him in time
1: that he didn't have to go down that same path. He didn't get killed. It helps him process a lot of the feelings he's feeling. And then it it worked out in the end for everyone because, you know, his family has a better understanding of him. Like Mm -hmm. the townspeople kind of have an understanding of the history um his sister like everyone around him i think at, at the end of the movie yeah. the conclusion everyone is on pretty good terms with each other as far as like recognizing the history honoring it yeah, understanding each how other yeah that's the big kind of thing at the end there's
0: the other quote that i have written down i think from his big speech or when he's trying to talk to her is towards the very end of that story is that he was just a lonely like a little kid with a gift who just wanted somebody to understand her and that like kind of like wanting somebody to understand oh, you so sad. <laughs> oh man oh <laughs> yeah it's really sad actually but like um But, like, wanting somebody to understand her is something that, like, he expresses multiple times. Where he's like, nobody understands. You guys, I've tried to tell you, and you just won't listen and you won't understand. Mm -hmm. Even if I tell you, you don't understand and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's like them trying, them being able to share their experiences with each other and know that somebody else knows what it feels like. It's like cathartic for the both of them, in a way. Mm -hmm. For Norman, it's already coming from a place where he. Has this kind of like wisdom, I guess, already. Yeah. He's a very, he's honestly a very kind of level headed character. So he kind of like reaches that conclusion first. And they just, yeah. it uh, helps her kind of process it too, but it's very obviously related back to him.
1: Uh, the power of healing.
0: Yes, yeah. We all just want somebody to understand us. <laughs> At the end of the day. Yeah. We all just want to be understood. And it's hard to find uh, that understanding in people who don't have the same experiences as you. So like I said, a lot of the movie is just kind of about being isolated, mm-hmm. but how that isolation only fosters less understanding as well, I yeah. guess.
1: and can foster also yeah. feelings of resentment and rage and hatred. And I think, I guess, like my final thoughts about like the movie is like, you definitely can f- like watching the movie, like I think at some point in people's life, everyone feels alone. And I think yeah. even if you're not like, don't identify as gay, like there's always like, you, yeah. watch, you watch a movie and you think, oh, I felt like that at some point in my life yeah. because of this. And I think that's the universal a, power of the movie.
0: Yeah, it's such a universal film to love. Yeah, <laughs> you of don't, course. You don't have to be gay to love this movie, but, like, having... It helps. Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> helps a lot, but it you don't helps. have to. <laughs> but it's, like, being able to recognize that there are these deeper levels to things yeah. honestly just makes for a better reading of the movie. So, like I said, our... Argument for Paranorman is that it wouldn't necessarily be a better movie if Norman was, like, gay in there. Or if Mitch even was a more prominently gay as a part of his, like, character, like, Mm -hmm. in it. But that if you, like I said, I made a little gag earlier. If you remade this movie and you took out literally any mention of the supernatural, but you kept basically the, like same plot or the same way that the characters treat each other then there would be no excuse but to make it a movie about a gay person because that would be the only way it would yeah, make sense. Yeah. Yeah,
1: of course. And it's hard to say in my gay opinion. Oh yes. This, this movie, movie slaps. is <laughs> slaps. It's so good. <laughs> I think everyone should see it. You definitely you can definitely relate to any yeah. character I think in the movie. Um yeah.
0: Yeah, like I said it's so much of what we've talked about is, like, the heavy stuff of this movie, but, like, I'm not lying when I say it's genuinely, like, the most hilarious. But, like, this is my, like, I'm feeling, like, super sick, and I need to watch something that, like, maybe I can't turn my brain off, but I've seen it enough times that, like, I don't mm-hmm. have to, like, get super into it, and I just need something to laugh to, but also, like, feel emotions and stuff. That's, like, this movie and um, Pacific Rim, and those are my two sick day movies. <laughs>
1: If you're if you're feeling sick, get a bowl of cold like cold soup. <laughs> it's on a cold day. Get a bowl of hot soup. Put on Paranorman. It's just get, get your ni- a nice weighted blanket. Uh, yeah, you'll feel right at home. That you've
0: stolen from your roommate. Yes,
1: I still thank you, Jenna, for your weighted blanket. I steal it all the time.
0: <laughs> like I said we highly recommend the movie as gay people and this human as humans <laughs> we love They're good gay art people first and humans second <laughs> but yes. you know
1: we we recommend that as both <laughs> no yeah for sure so
0: all yeah. right so go watch paranormal if you haven't already we spoiled like basically the whole mu- movie for you but i know i forgot like most of the jokes so you can still laugh at it and there's definitely something i forgot honestly yeah there's definitely like stuff that we didn't talk about in here that's like part of the movie Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. but it's it's just so so good there's so many things to analyze and so many things to talk about so thank you for listening to the podcast
1: yes and join us next week